Welcome to the Jesus Family Podcast, where we want to help you follow Jesus and find family. We are in the middle of a seven-part teaching series called From Dawn to Daybreak, looking at the post-resurrection encounters with Jesus. This is episode four, Opening Night. It doesn't happen often, but there are some times, some moments, some experiences that forever mark us. It's usually not something that we learn cognitively. It's usually something that we experience, and it's usually something that's so overwhelming that it absolutely changes our reality. It's not like I'm getting a new hairstyle or I'm trying a new fashion trend. It's something that forever alters your life, and you've probably had some, and they may be good or bad. It could be a health thing where, you know, you maybe got in shape for the first time and it just opened up just a whole new way to live or maybe the negative side of it is maybe you got a cancer diagnosis or you stared face to face with your own mortality and it just rearranged everything when it comes to the priorities of your life it could be a relationship maybe it's the bad side where you got divorce papers handed to you and it just absolutely rocked your world or you found out something about your spouse that was you know a deal breaker for you Or it could be something on the positive side where you've met someone and ever since you met someone, whether that was a friend or a coworker or a spouse, like your whole life, your whole mindset, your whole world has opened up to new possibilities. Many of us have a reality changing experience and that's what we are going to look at in this episode of From Dawn to Daybreak. It's the night of Easter Sunday when Jesus finally appears personally to the disciples. So from dawn to daybreak is a metaphor. Dawn is when uh, it begins to lighten up, but the sun has not yet peaked over the horizon. And daybreak is when that first sun, bit of sunlight comes over the horizon. So dawn is when Jesus rises from the dead, and daybreak is when the Holy Spirit comes in Acts 2. And so we're looking at the intervening weeks between Easter and Pentecost Sunday. So this is according to the chronology that we can piece together from the the four gospel accounts, this is the third appearance of Jesus that day. So this happens that night on Easter Sunday night when Jesus appears to the disciples. And it's recorded in two different spots in particular. And what's probably the most fascinating thing for me, at least, is not what Jesus says, but what Jesus doesn't say. And not what happens, but what doesn't happen. In John 20, verse 19, it's just two verses. John records, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And Luke, chapter 24, goes into a little bit more detail. Luke 24, verse 36, while they were still talking about this, and this is the disciples that had just come from Emmaus, Jesus himself stood among them and said, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. So a couple things jump out. First, why are the disciples 
Third, I mean, these are the guys who are going to be in charge of the whole thing. They're going to go on to write the Gospels. They're going to go on to launch this movement that has changed human history. Why are they third? Why are the women first, and why are these other disciples, not the main 12 disciples, but Cleopas and these other disciples, why do they see him second? Well, I think part of it is he knew that these disciples were about to have their worlds, their realities changed forever. And I think he was just trying to come in slowly. Like if, if you have to tell somebody something and you know it's going to rock their world, you usually don't just come out and blurt it out. You try to ease into it. You try to start the conversation off slowly. You try to build up something. You try to prepare them mentally for the weight of the truth you're about to drop on them. Well, there's nothing more weighty than the resurrection of a man named Jesus of Nazareth who claimed to be the Messiah and now just proved it once and for all. This was going to change not just their lives, but the lives of everyone around them. This is going to change the history of the world. So it makes sense that he was trying to prepare them, to ease them up. And you'd already seen when uh, Peter went out to the garden, he didn't believe the women and he didn't believe the other disciples when they came in because he, he saw Jesus die and he knew he was dead. So Jesus kind of, I think, had to prepare the ground a little bit before he just dropped this bomb on them. Now, in Luke's gospel, it's something odd when it says uh, in verse 40, when he had said this, Jesus showed them his hands and feet. And while they were still not believing because of the joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and he ate it in their presence. Why does Luke record this seemingly inane detail that Jesus ate broiled fish? Well, I think it's for a very simple reason, and this kind of speaks to the main point of this appearance. It wasn't to just dispense all this unknown knowledge. Jesus had already taught them everything, and everything was going to be brought back to mind once the Holy Spirit came to dwell inside of them. The reason Jesus ate a piece of broiled fish in their presence is because ghosts don't eat fish. I know that in our modern mindset, we have this idea that people don't really die. They're always here forever with us. And we have all these heartwarming movies of ghosts and they come back and we can talk with them and, you know, different stuff like that. Or even in some of our favorite fantasy movies, like in Star Wars, if you die as a Jedi, you become a Star Wars ghost or a Force ghost. You know, if you're Harry Potter, well, then Dumbledore becomes part of the living pictures or the mirrors, the paintings on the wall, you know, they're never really gone. Well, that's, that's not real life. The reality of the world that we live in, not the fantasy world that we escape to, is a lot more harsh. It would be like going down to a cemetery where your loved ones are buried. Maybe a recently lost loved one and you go by the grave and you're placing flowers there and, you know, it's maybe it's a, a grandparent or a parent or an aunt or somebody and you go and you visit their grave. And then you go ahead and pencil in a lunch date that following Tuesday at the favorite restaurant where you used to eat with this person. And then you show up at that restaurant that following Tuesday and wait for that loved one to come from the graveyard. Yeah, that, that's not going to happen. Dead people stay dead. And so I think the simple reason why Jesus, Instead of just dispensing all this incredible, you know, wisdom, all he did was he ate a piece of fish in front of them. All the wisdom would come from the Holy Spirit later. He just needed to convince them of this one earth-shattering, life-changing reality. He was dead, 
And now he's alive. And not in some forced ghost painting on the wall type of thing. I mean, dead people don't eat fish. Ghosts don't eat fish. So he ate a piece of broiled fish. The resurrection is real. Resurrection bodies are real. And in that one moment, everything, everything they thought about everything changed. Because God had broken through the supernatural into the natural and changed everything. One of the other interesting things about this is how short this is. I mean, John records in just a few verses. Luke, not much longer. I mean, this would have been a great evening. I mean, the disciples didn't have any other plans. It's not like they were going somewhere. They were locked in the room for the fear of the Jews. They had all night. They were probably so hopped up on adrenaline seeing Jesus back from the dead. They would have loved to have an eight-hour seminar on, here's all the stuff that I told you, but you didn't really believe, and now let me tell you this and this and this. He could have gone on and on and on and on. But I think there's this balance, almost this tension that Jesus walked in between dawn and daybreak. He needed to break through to them and help them understand that he really was alive. They weren't just seeing a vision. They weren't just hallucinating. So he appeared in multiple places on multiple days over multiple stretches of time to to help them realize, no, he really is alive. He really did come back from the dead. But he also didn't stay with them. He could have stayed for weeks and weeks, and they could have developed such a a game plan. Okay, here's what's going to happen in year one. Here's going to happen in year three. Here's our five-year plan. But we don't get that sense. Jesus does say some things. He does teach some things. In Luke, he gives a version of the Great Commission that we see also in Matthew 28, which means that Jesus would have repeated this multiple times. And in John, he talks about the, the gift of the Holy Spirit, which really ties a beautiful bow into what John recorded in John 14 through 17 when Jesus was preparing for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And that's actually why I think Jesus doesn't go into more detail and why he doesn't spend more time with the disciples between dawn and daybreak, because he's preparing them for the Holy Spirit. He knew that they were so dependent upon him that in that moment, if they could choose between the Holy Spirit and Jesus, they would have chose Jesus. But first off, Jesus was going back to sit at the right hand of the Father, and the whole game plan was for the Holy Spirit to come and live inside of them. So better than God with them through Jesus, now it's going to be God in them through the Holy Spirit. And so this event, as something as simple as Jesus showing up in a room and eating a piece of broiled fish in their presence changed them. It changed everything. Well, how much did it change them? In John 20, John records that the disciples on that first night of the week, they were in a locked room with the doors locked for fear of the Jews. They were in fear of their lives, and rightfully so, because their master had just been killed, and they were next on the hit list. And just a few weeks later, in Acts chapter 5, we see this incredible confrontation between these men who had just killed Jesus and Peter and John and all the apostles, where they are publicly declaring the resurrection of Jesus, even at the cost of their own safety and their own health, because they were flogged, they were whipped, they were beaten. So what changed? These men were absolutely convinced that they saw Jesus alive, not once, but multiple times. The first night, opening night, 
is on, on that Easter Sunday night, but he appeared to them enough times to make them convinced that he was alive, and for them, everything changed. The rules changed, changed about death, life, God, religion, everything. That's what happened on that opening night. And my prayer is that I have that same conviction, that the resurrection of Jesus is not just a story I tell to my kids with a moral compass at the end, but it is an earth-shaking reality that changes everything about how I approach life, death, purpose, passion, ministry, career, family, relationships, everything. All that from a piece of broiled fish. Interesting, huh? Well, you may still have some questions, and rightfully so. So next week, next episode is just for you because if you're a skeptic by nature, maybe you didn't grow up in a religious environment or you just found a lot to distrust and you really still have questions, next week's gonna be for you because even among the disciples, there were some doubters. And how Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, encountered that, answered that, is incredibly instructive and encouraging. See you then. Thank you.